Hello, I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast to get you thinking about biblical and historical Christianity, to inspire you to follow Christ, and to convict you to lead a consecrated life. In this fantastic evangelism sermon, Victor Gluckin lays out a biblical case for why we should reach out and share our faith with others. His zeal is contagious, his reasoning cogent, and his passion inspiring. If you are anything like me, you need to be encouraged in this area of your Christian walk. All too easily I lose focus from the mission Jesus gave his followers, the Great Commission. In this sermon, Gluckin focuses on the parable of the Minas, showing that Jesus has put us in charge of the family business while he is gone. He urges us to take responsibility for our part of the Great Commission, rather than just burying what we've received in the ground. God, through Christ and through the gospel, is calling us to come back, calling us to come back to where we once were, in the garden, in paradise, everything right with the world. And in the meantime, the devil wants to pleasure and pressure each one of us and every person outside these walls to stay with him as long as we can. Because he knows that he's going down. He knows that as Sean taught us this weekend, there's a new sheriff coming to town. There's a new sheriff coming to town with a white hat and a white horse. And he doesn't have pistols. He has a sword coming out of his mouth. And he's coming to say, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. Amen? Amen. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells the story of what we have in Matthew 25, which is called the parable of the talents. And uh, we know from Luke chapter 4 that the reason Jesus was sent was to preach about the coming kingdom of God. He says to, he says to the people who come to him in the town that he was preaching in, and, he say, and, and they say, no, no, stay here. I mean, wouldn't you want a guy who could do miracles to hang around your house? Right? And they say, no, no, don't go, don't go. And he says, I must go unto the other cities also and tell people about the kingdom of God. For that is the reason why I was sent. That is the purpose that I'm here for. That is the purpose I'm here for. And here we have this story in Luke 19. Jesus says in verse 10, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. And while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said to them, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and he gave them ten minas. Minas is is uh, an amount of money. And he said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. And when he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. 
And he said to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Your mina master has made five. And he said to him also, You are to be over five cities. Verse 20, Another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man, and you take up what you did not lay down, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, By your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you, did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Why did you not put the money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. And he said to the bystanders, Take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten. And tell him. And they said to him, Master, he has ten minas already. And the master said, I tell you that everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. So here Jesus tells us the parable about the ruler who comes to his servants. He gathers them together and he says, I have to go away. I am going away to be appointed ruler of a kingdom. I'm going away, I have some business to do in a faraway land, and while I am gone, I want you to be in charge of the business. Does that make sense? Right? You're leave, he's leaving it in the hands of his servants. And he says, do the job while I'm gone. Run the shop while I'm gone, and when we come back, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the business going, and it's going to be even greater, because now I'm going to be a king, and things are going to work out great. So he, he gathers these servants together, and he separates them, and he gives some of his money to each of these servants, right? So he gives, you know, $20,000 to one, and $10,000 to another, and, you know, whatever to another. And he says, all right, work the business while I'm gone. And when he comes back, what happened was he gathers them again together, and they did different things with what he had given them to be responsible for He's leaving. He says, I want you to take care of the family business. They are going to assume the same role that the master had. They're not doing a different job. They're doing the same job that he did while he was gone. They're, they're in charge, right? Some of us are thinking, hey, part A. <laughs> right? Mom and dad are away. Part A. That's not what they were thinking. They're thinking, all right, I want to do a good job here. He's putting me in charge. This is, this is exciting. This is exciting. But what happened was, each of the servants did something different with the responsibility they had been left. One was excited about this job, took the job seriously, and from 10000 he made 20000 From the other who, who had 5000 he made it into 7000 total. But there's one other slave that we're talking about here. What did he do with his money? He buried it. Now, did he keep it? Yeah, he had it. It would have been pretty bad if he had like given it away and, and lost money on it. He didn't lose any money. He just didn't make any money, right? He didn't maintain the family business while the master was gone. You know, he didn't have any, he didn't have any increase. And he says to the master, he says, I know that you're a good businessman. I know that you're, you just know how to work the market and you, you earn the money back. And, you know, you could take $1,000 and make it $100,000. I, I know that you are good like that, master. And, and I, just didn't, I just didn't know. So you know what? I, at least I still have your money. Isn't that good? I didn't make it grow at all. But 
Isn't that good? And, and what the master says to him is a little frightening, I think. He says to the others, Well done, good and faithful servant. But to the one who just kept the money and didn't do anything with it, he said that you are no good for me. You are worthless. It was, it was a waste that I gave you the money because you could have even put it in the bank and got 1% interest. Right? At least I would have had $101 when I came back. He didn't even do that. He didn't do anything with it. He took it and he hid it. He took it and he hid it. And what I think this parable is telling us is that Jesus is the master. And he has gone away to receive a kingdom. And guess who he's left in charge of the family business? He's left us. He's left me and he's left you. And he's given us the responsibility to keep the business going while he's gone. He's given us the responsibility to keep the business going while he's gone. He says, listen, what I was doing while I was here, now it's your turn. And the choices that we now have is to look at that and say, all right, the king of the world looked my way and said, hey, let's get in it. Let's do it. Or we can say, well, at least I got my money. And when he comes back, I'll say, look, I kept it. I kept it. I hid it. But at least it's still here. Right? As, you said, as I said earlier, and we've looked at this weekend in our time together in the conference, the, the mission of what the church is supposed to be all about while Jesus is away receiving this kingdom is his business, which is caring about people and preaching the gospel. Caring about people, loving people, loving God, and preaching the gospel. Does that make sense? Caring about people, preaching the gospel. So, how many sermons have you heard about preaching the gospel? I've heard a couple. I've heard a couple, right? I've heard a few and I've heard them. You know, it's like, all right, you know, it's the end of the evangelism conference. We're probably going to hear it on evangelism. You know, when, when the gathering was about preach the gospel, you know, we knew it was going to, the end would hear, you know, go do it. Let's go do it. Right? And we get all excited. Yeah, go do it. So, uh, perhaps, if you're like me, you can turn to Romans chapter 10. If you're like me, you, you don't have a doubt in your mind that the responsibility of a Christian is to just spread this gospel, share this message, tell the world, right? We have a story to tell the, to the nations, right? And, and we sing it and we clap it and it's exciting. And, you know, Jay's got that song, tell the world. And, you know, we just, yes, let's go, right? Let's go do it. This is exciting, right? Well, if you're like me on a normal Sunday, here's what you, here's what, here's what you might do. I walk into church. You know, I get in. I try to find a spot where nobody's going to sit too close to me because that would just be awkward. So here I sit, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? Good. Okay, good. Oh, hey. And there you sit, and uh, you're getting ready, and you're like, oh, you know, it's 1040. What's going on here? I guess... Guess Tom Riley hasn't been able to round everybody up and start on the dot today. I mean, okay, all right. Oh, songs. All right. We sta- oh, everybody's standing. I guess I should. Okay. Blessing and honor. Oh, nobody else is clapping. Okay, all right. Sitting here. Sitting here. All right. Song. Oh, slow song. Can I sit? Oh, everybody's still standing. Okay. All right. Here we stand. We're singing. All right. Time for prayer. Whew. Finally, I can sit down. My legs are tired. Okay. All right. We're saying some prayer. All right, now it's... All right, oh, Sean just prayed for the abundant sharing. So while he's praying, let me get my purse out. 
Okay. Wait, why do I have a purse? That's awkward, too. Okay. And uh, it's the announcements, and uh, I seem to mishandle my program. So here we go. I got to pray. Wait a second. Reverend Finnegan's not teaching? Man, if I knew that, come on now. I thought Victor was just supposed to sing. What's he doing up there? All right, so here's the teaching. Yes, all right. Jesus preached the kingdom. I should go out and do it. Ambassadors for Christ. Yes, go preach the word. And, and something as you're sitting there starts to stir in you and you're thinking, you know what? Yes. Yes, you know what? I want to talk about my God. I, I am proud of my God. I, I can't say enough about what Jesus did. I want to do this. Yes. And, you know, and then, you know, they, the band picked the, just the best song to sing at the end. So you're fired up. You're ready to go at the end. And you're like, hey, hey, man, how you doing? You say hi to everybody on the way out. Get the coffee. You're, you're, you're ready. You go home. You're ready. You're excited. You tell your wife. You tell your, your husband, your kids. It's like, you know what? I think this time's going to be different. I think this time when I hear a sermon on evangelism, it's going to be different. You know what? I want to do it. This, I'm going to do it this time. Something's stirred in you, and, and it's, it's unlike what's happened before. And, and then you go home, and you know, you know what? When you get home, there's a lot of stuff to do. Sunday night, you know, I love Sunday mornings, but Sunday nights are tough because you got Monday waiting for you the next day. You know what I mean? So, you know, you're frantic about that. You're tired. You know, it's getting hot out. I'm cranky, stuff like that. So I go to bed, and, and then you know what happens Monday morning? Nothing's different. And it's another sermon on evangelism that I got excited about. And then Monday comes along and nothing's different. Nothing changed. Same old story of Victor coming to church, hearing a sermon about evangelism, and nothing changes. Well, I'd like to propose that this Sunday we do something different. I propose this, this Sunday when we leave, we do something different than the typical routine that I've done for 26 years of, yeah, this is going to be different. And, and then Monday comes around and nothing's changed. I propose this time we say, you know what? The master has put me in charge and it's time for me to do the job. It's time for me to get involved in the family business. Amen? Now... That doesn't just happen by me saying that and yelling and saying amen and you all go amen. That doesn't happen like that. I wish it does. Amen? Gotcha. It doesn't happen like that. The only way that this is going to happen is if something stirs in our hearts. If we look at that video and say, that was me. And that's my neighbor. And that's the guy at the job. Who doesn't know what they're doing and it's subtle and first it's, you know, having the friends and then the next thing it's partying a little too much and then the next and then the next and then the next and then the despair's there. And they haven't had the initial experience to know where to go back to like that girl in the video did. The only way that anything's going to be different is if something happens in our hearts. If something happens in our hearts or we, we change our hearts and say, Lord, this is what I want to do. Lord, I'm afraid. I don't like to talk to people. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. But Lord, I want to do it for you. Because I want, to come ba- I, want, I want Christ to come back and say, All right, guys, how'd it go? And we don't give him back what he gave us. But we give him back more than what he left us with. Let's look at Romans 10 here. Verse 13. 
Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will someone hear unless they've been told? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it has been written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? But faith comes from what? Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. The way that faith comes is if people hear the gospel. And if faith comes, that's what saves them. So let's think about the equation here. I'm not very good at math, but my my wife's a math teacher, so hopefully I cannot disappoint her here. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that how it goes? Alright, so if you have faith, if that faith comes... You can be saved from perishing because as it stands, the destiny of all mankind is perishing. Okay? So what needs to happen? Faith. Believing needs to happen. Now, what did we just read? How will they have faith unless they hear the gospel? Can they have faith unless they hear the gospel? They can't. Now, how can they hear the gospel unless somebody tells them? Can they? No. And, and how is somebody going to tell them unless the person who's going to tell them is going to be sent to preach it? Is that going to happen? So unless people are sent, people are still going to perish. Okay, did I figure that out right, honey? Okay. <laughs> the equation. Alright? So let's think about this for a second. The people out there who are going to perish need people to talk to them. If only... God's church was sent to preach the gospel. Man, I tell you. If only Jesus would have said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Whew, thank goodness. Because, you know, now I don't have to worry about it. But he did, didn't he? He did. He did. He did. He did. He did. And so guess what? We can go. We're free to go. He said, it's all right. Go tell them. He said, it's all right. Go tell them. 2 Corinthians. So they're not going to be able to believe unless they hear. And they're not going to be able to hear unless, guess who tells them? That's right. And, And that word preacher, don't let it fool you, doesn't just mean somebody who stands up and does a sermon. Right? There, there's that special calling of an evangelist, but the entire church does evangelism. All right. Man, I held on to that as long as I could. Well, I don't think that I should do evangelism. My spiritual gift is uh, cutting watermelon. <laughs> and boy, I'm going to cut that for the Lord. I'm going to cut it up just right. What do you mean you don't like it with seeds? Don't judge me. That's my spiritual gift. <laughs> I held on to that for a little while, but... The watermelon juice gets all sticky and stuff. So I I said, i got to find something else here. Everybody can do evangelism. Everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. But but you know what happens? Because uh, 
Remember I was saying before that that thing that needs to happen is our hearts need to get engaged in this and say, yes, I, w- I want to do this. Um, but here, here's the thing that one of the, well, there's a, many things that, that stop us. But the source of it comes from Satan. The devil does not want you to tell a single person about the coming kingdom. He doesn't want you to tell anybody. Satan is fine with us all coming in here, singing our songs, praising God, praying, hearing, hearing a, great, a great teaching. He's not going to bother you. He's all right with that. All right, so he lost a, a, you know, a number of people here. He's not going to mess with us as long as you don't tell nobody about it. That's the deal he's trying to make with us. Come in, things are fine. He's not going to persecute the church that doesn't preach the gospel. Why? You're not a threat. You're working with him. (laughs) Okay. He wants the people to perish. He's trying to go out with guns blazing. As many people in his caravan as he can. So he's not going to try to stop us if we're not preaching the gospel. So he's going to throw a bunch of lies in there. You know what I mean? As long as you don't speak, speak, speak. He's going to say, you know, why don't you just live a good life? They're going to look at you and you're going to be different. And that's preaching the gospel. So my whole life, I never tell anybody about the gospel. And I think, you know what? I'm just going to smile a lot. I'm going to smile a lot and, you know, hold up. What would Jesus do, bracelet? Stream Christian right here. <laughs> and I'm just going to be that guy at work who's, who's just friendly. Who's, having a, who's always happy. That's how they're going to... And they're going to come up to you and say, What's... Th- do you believe the kingdom of God is coming? Can you tell me about that? That never happened to me. Now, live a good life. Let your light shine so that they come to you and say, what's different about you when, when you get cancer and you're not cursing God? What, what's going? Keep the faith. Have that smile. Have that light. And they, and they, they will. But ultimately, we've got to talk to them. They're going to say, why don't you just, get, why don't you just like, pray a lot for Vince in the Congo? That's preaching the gospel. No, that's praying for Vince while he's in the Congo. <laughs> why don't you just, uh, why don't you just uh, give money to support people who preach the gospel? That's preaching the gospel. No, that's giving money to people who preach the gospel to help them preach the gospel. <laughs> You're way too old for this. After all, look at all the young people who preach the gospel. They can stay up late and go on trips, but you're too old. I had somebody say, somebody, I had somebody tell me once that they're in their 50s. They said, you know, I just don't, I just don't think, you know, I can't, I can't go out and witness to people because there aren't any places for somebody my age to go. That's not true. There are so many places for all of us to go. Go to borders. Sit, witness to your waitress. If, if, you have, if you have enough uh, guts, preach to the person cutting your hair. Okay? It's risky. I have my brother-in-law Joe cut my hair now, so I'm safe. These are all lies that Satan wants to get in us so that we don't do it. So that we, st- we stay quiet. In the book of Acts, what was, what was the threat against the disciples? Do not speak in that name. That's what they were told. Not stop meeting to pray. Not stop living a moral life. 
Don't speak in that name anymore. It's a threat to us. So stop. That's what the, that's what the threat was. Don't you remember we went, wow, haven't we done enough? We saw a lot of miracles happen. Okay. Praise God. Keep it going. Keep it going. I don't feel good right now. I, need, I think I should go, go home. When uh, we did some evangelism, when we lived at the Atlanta Bible College... We went on Wednesday nights in the afternoon after our classes. And I'll tell you what. I didn't have more stomach aches my whole life than... I mean, whatever we can do, those excuses come. I don't feel that good. I have a lot to do this weekend. Oh, you know, what about the kids? I got kids. I don't have kids. I'm not married. I'm married. Well, forget about it, okay? Let's just preach the gospel. I'm way too young to do this. These are all things that the devil is trying to throw in there so that you don't speak to anybody. And they work. It works. That guy who told me he was too old because he didn't have places to go isn't preaching the gospel. It works. I I think it's time we we tell the devil to stop it. I think it's time that by our commitment to stand up and say, we're going to be the ones that preach the gospel, we say, you're not controlling my life anymore, devil. Hell? No. We won't go. We're not going to let him push his, God's church around any longer. It's time for that to stop. Now, you're going to have the stomach ache when, it's, when somebody announces, hey, let's go witnessing. It's going to happen. But you know what? Let's talk about it. Say, you know what? I'm having the stomach ache right now, and I'm re- I, think, I think I'm nervous. Pray about it. Go to God about it. God is not the opposite of the devil. Okay? It's not God's over here and the devil, his arch rival, is over here. The same amount of strength, but on the dark side. The devil is a peon. God is almighty. The devil is a punk. The devil is going down. We need to believe that God, who has commissioned us to do this, is going to be on our side and be with us. Don't you think God can take care of us? He can. He will. We've got we to gotta start believing the truth about that and stop letting the devil whisper all those things into our heads. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. Has anyone heard that verse for the first time just now? I had to include that in the sermon because you have to say that verse if you're going to preach on evangelism. It's just like, you know, I have no point there, but let's go now to... No, I'm kidding. All right, we've heard that verse before. You are ambassadors for Christ. You are the ones now, instead of Christ, in Christ's stead, preaching about returning to God. That's what we were talking about with the parable of the, the talents before and the meanness, right? He says, okay, now you're in the stead of the master doing the work of the master. He says, okay, instead of Christ, you are the one speaking. Now, I want to talk about the context for a minute here of this verse. Look at verse 10. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that everyone may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 
So there's a judgment day coming when every man, woman, and child is going to stand before Christ and he's going to say, okay, tell me why you lived the way you did. Tell me why you didn't do what you did. Right? There's going to be a lot more of things, not that uh, we did wrong, perhaps, but for the church it'll be things that we didn't do that we'll be talking about on, on the judgment day. So Paul said, because of that, verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, what did he do? Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Verse, look at verse 14. The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's what Christianity is all about. That the love of Christ, which was shown through the cross, makes us say, wow, I'm going to do whatever this man says. He died instead of me. He died instead of me. He took the punishment for the sins that I had committed. And he looks my way and says, okay, I will die for you. Now you take my place and live for me. He died for all, verse 15 again, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but instead for who? For him. For him who died and rose again on their behalf. Christianity is about an exchange program. It's a life for a life. It's trading places. Jesus, I, will, I die for you, now you live for me. That's what it's about. So now the church, the people who have been transformed by this love, now become Jesus to the world. Become Jesus to the world. And then the context of this is verse, let's read again verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, all things have become new. Sorry, behold, new things have come. Verse 18. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ... And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Someone who has been reconciled now is going to reconcile other people. It should be easy for us to understand that. If we have been transformed, we say, all right, that's what we want to help other people do. Right? He's putting the people who have, uh, have, have the product to go sell the product. You know what I'm saying. Not that we're selling people. But, you know, the example Sean gave with the vacuum cleaner. It'd be crazy if the guy selling the eight-pound auric vacuum... At home, has a, a Hoover. That'd be hypocritical. That's what it'd be. This is the best vacuum you've ever seen. Really? Is this what you use at home? Uh, uh, mm. My wife won't let me get it. No, it's the people who have the product who say, this is the best thing ever. And I want to tell everybody about it. When I first fell in love with my wife... I didn't have to conjure up the, the feelings to tell people that I was crazy about her. Because I loved her. And, and that took over. And so everybody knew about it. Right? It changed who I was. Right? And I'm not just talking about not wearing sloppy clothes anymore. And gaining a little weight because I wasn't just eating cereal. All right? It, it, when, when you have love, when you experience love... From someone to you, it, you talk about it. It's, it's easy. It's natural. Nobody had to say, tell, 
Tell me if you love your wife. Say it. Come on. You can do it. I know you're afraid. I'm too young to tell my wife I love her. You can do it. It's okay. If I just live a good life, she'll know I love her. No, just tell her. Verse 19, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us now the word of reconciliation. Those who have been reconciled now reconcile others. Verse 20, therefore, because of this, we are ambassadors for Christ. Because we have been reconciled, because Christ has come to us, because it's hit us, we now say, all right, we're the representatives. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then verse 21, which I used to stop at because I didn't understand. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The one who was righteous was condemned with the sinners. The one who was condemned to be with the sinners was made righteous. This is a big deal. Rather than heading towards destruction, our feet have been turned heading towards the kingdom. And that is the motivation now for us to tell the world. You are ambassadors for Christ. And in the next breath, Paul says, Him who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. If you have been transformed, everybody should know. Everybody should know. They should ask you to stop talking to them about it. Because that's all you want to do. We, we are taking the place of Jesus. The master goes away, says, all right, take care of the business while I'm gone. And we take care of the business while he's gone. And then when he comes back, we say, Lord, look. Look at all the people who love you. Look at all the people who have been longing for you like I've been longing for you. That brings glory to God. That makes the sacrifice of Christ glorious because Everybody is going to be singing about it and talking about it. More people. Isn't that what you want God to get? How does that happen? Preaching the gospel. Speaking it. You know, the Bible says that if you love... Jesus says, we've read this verse many times. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I think what we've thought for the longest time, at least myself, is prove that you love God by keeping his commandments. All right, I love God. I love God i got to keep the commandments to show him that I do. But what the verse says is, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because we love God, we do these things. That's what it is. It's not, it's, it's not this forcing, you know, you better preach the gospel, you better preach the gospel. I need to hear that sometimes because I have to check my, the level of love for my God in my heart. But there's supposed to be a trade. There's supposed to be Christ for us, and now we for Christ. That's what it's supposed to be. So then it becomes easy because this is all we want to do. Talking about our God. Matthew 10. So... I'm getting excited about evangelism. This is, yes, this time is going to be different. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. But, but that doesn't negate that we still have fears, does it? We still, we still are afraid to talk to people sometimes. We still don't know if, if we've got the right words. We, 
we, we've got a lot going on in our lives. We, we have trouble talking to people. I mean, all of those things still exist. But what needs to change? The heart about it. And if we offer up our hearts to God saying, Lord, where you go, I will follow. Here I am, Lord, send me. If, if that becomes our heart, he's going to help you with your fears. The fears are still there. I, I know that. I mean, you know, it, we went to the park yesterday to, to you know, have an opportunity to talk to people. And, you know, people are scary sometimes, especially around here. Man, people are different in uh, Rhode Island. I don't know. It's just, it's different. Hey, how you doing? What do you want? That doesn't happen, though. That's, that's, that's part of my fear. A lot of these things are in my head. Let's go to God about it. We, we all are sitting here saying, you know what? We know we're supposed to preach the gospel. We know that, don't we? We know that. We've known it for the longest time. The issue is we haven't dealt with our fears. We haven't gone to God about it. We just think about an excuse to wiggle out of it. I'm sure there were some of us here who debated going to the evangelism conference this weekend. Right? And we're like, yeah, you know... But we allow sometimes the other things that we got to become bigger, to become magnified, the fears to become magnified, and so we don't do it. We miss out, and we never progress. What I'm proposing today so that it will be different, so that this sermon on evangelism where I've read the verse, we are ambassadors for Christ, and all the rest, do the standard protocol, could be different if we will offer up our hearts to God and say, God, please help me do this. God, please help me do this, this time. The fears are there. We don't know what to say. All the rest. But I, I want to propose that now is the time that we stand up and be the people of God. Now is the time that what Jesus did for us becomes so real and trans, transforms us so much that we can't help but speak about the things we've heard. I'm going to propose that, that now is the time we become the lights of the world. Now is the time when we stand up to the evil one and say, Our God is mightier than thou. I want to propose today that we decide to lift our hearts to God and say, God, I am afraid, but I want to do this because I love you and I need your help. I propose that now is the time that we get involved in the family business. I want to propose that now is the time that we become the representatives of our God. That we become the ambassadors for Christ. That what Jesus did on the cross is big enough and powerful enough to overcome any fear, any sin. Which sin, which fear, which issue is so big that the blood of Christ and the mighty God of heaven can't help you overcome? Which one? None of them. Our God is bigger. And God is committed to you. God is faithful. God doesn't abandon the faithful. He's committed to you. Are you committed to Him? Are you the men and women of faith? Am I a man of faith? Am I going to decide now's the time that I'm going to do this? No more wasted time. No more wasted days. No more compromise. But today's the day when I'm going to give my heart to the Lord and say, I want to do this, Father, and I need your help. And I need the help of this church. I need the help of the brothers and sisters. What I propose today is that before we leave church today, that you make the commitment, we'll pray in a second about this, but that you make the commitment, connect with somebody right here and say, Erica, I don't want to go witnessing, but I want to go witnessing. Can, 
Can, sometime this week, we, we go out and try to talk to somebody in the Dunkin' Donuts. Could you help me with that? I am scared about this. And Erica's going to, you know, she's freaking out too. But she's going to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So today, will you meet with somebody and, and, and get together and make a commitment? Let's go do this. Let's go try it out. And if, and if you're not sure what to talk about, we just spent hours. And hours this weekend talking about what it is we should say. We've got it all on CD. Talk to somebody who's here. Raise your hand if you came. You got all these people right here. Talk to them. They'll tell you. And then just go out and do it. And watch God work. Watch God blow your mind. Because he shows up. Because this is what we're supposed to be busy doing. He's going to show up. And he's going to help us so that people can be saved. Matthew 10, 26. Therefore, do not fear them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body and hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. The very hairs of your head are numbered. So do not fear... You are more valuable than many sparrows. You are more valuable than the sparrows. And God takes care of them. So if you're more valuable of something, God, something that God takes care of, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Jesus said these words right as he was sending out his disciples. He knew they'd be afraid. He knew there'd be stuff that would come up. He knew they didn't have the answer to all the questions. But he said, if God's on your side, you can do it. If you decide, yes, I'm going to do it. You're more valuable than the birds. He's going to be with you. Verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who's in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. We don't need to fear anybody. We don't need to fear man. We don't need to let these excuses that the devil's whispering in our ear stop us. We just have to make the decision. We just have to decide to do this. Now is our time to speak. Now is our time to speak. Now is our time to decide to speak. Now is our time to speak. Let's say that together. Now is our time to speak. In the upcoming weeks, we're going to have organized some opportunity to go on a missions trip. We're not going to be going to Africa. We're not going to be going to Haiti. We're going to be going to the towns and cities just around us. We're going to be in Rhode Island. We're going to be in New York City. We're going to be right here in the Capital District. And it's going to be an opportunity for everyone in this room, no matter how old or how young or how sick or what else is going on, to preach the gospel, to take time and do it. Sean is going to be talking about these things and he's going to be giving the dates and telling you about it. And when he starts talking about it, go to God if you start fearing. Go to God if those excuses start coming up. I think my 15th cousin is having a baby shower later that week. So I don't know if I can go on the missionary trip. I mean, that's a big deal. Those things are going to suddenly become important because the devil does not want you to speak. Forget him. Go to God. Let's do that right now. Let's pray together. Almighty Father, we need you so desperately. Father, we need your help.
We are afraid. We are nervous. Father, we've got a lot going on. But Father, you so loved us, Father, that you gave your only begotten Son. Father, delivering us from death and putting our feet on the path towards your glorious kingdom. Father, I want to honor you. I want to please you. I want to speak about you, God. Lord, I'm offering to you my heart right now. God, I'm lifting it to you and I say, Father, can you help me, please? I I know this is something we should do. We all do. We want to do it. But God, help Help you to be stronger than our fears. God, please help us. Help this church, help your church, Father, to be proud of our God and speak of you at this time. We love you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed what you heard here, why not give Restitutio a five-star rating in iTunes or Stitcher? Doing so will help others find this podcast and inspire them to love God, follow Christ, and seek truth wherever it leads. Thanks for listening, and check us out online at restitutio.org, where you can find an archive of all the podcasts, as well as a bunch of articles and links to other resources. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.